Well, as I said, next week is uh, next Sunday is Father's Day, so naturally we have to tell some more dad jokes. We're we're ramping up. We're we're ramping up. It's like before Christmas. Before Christmas, you got to get the lights out and get jolly or whatever. This is Father's Day coming up. All right. My friend was showing me his tool shed and pointed to a ladder. That's my step ladder, he said. I never knew my real ladder. Come on. Boo. What brand of underwear do scientists wear? Kelvin Klein. Which days are the strongest? Saturday and Sunday. The rest are all weekdays. Just weekdays. All right, last one. Someone sent this to me this week. So when I start telling these, people start sending me stuff. So, And sometimes it makes it up here. So this one did. Uh, how do snails fight? They slug it out. All right. All right, there's your dad jokes for the day. More of those coming next week. Don't worry. Don't worry. And a message. But it'll be like half dad jokes. Okay. All right, again, last week I did a message called, um, by the way, this, how many know that June is an interesting month with all that happens in our world, and it gets more interesting every year, and I've been wanting to do a series on faith and sexuality, and um, I was going to do that two weeks ago, and then I was like, I'm going to kick it off, I'm not going to do it this weekend, but because I want to do it the right way, I want to kick it off the right way, so I want to say that um, next Sunday... Um, I'm sorry, actually not next Sunday, because next Sunday's Father's Day. I'm going to do Father's Day message. The Sunday after that, I'm going to begin a series on faith and sexuality. How many know that this Bible is not void of how to live and instruction on how to live, but also how to love and how to, how to be a light in, in, in a world? And so these things are held in tension. I, I, I feel like we just need to go there. You know how sometimes when you raise kids and you never talk about things like sex, like how do you expect them to have a good point of view on it. Well, listen, same thing as churches. Like, we have to go here and talk about these things um, if we're going to be healthy. So, um, so the, the week after Father's Day, I'm going um, to start a series on faith and sexuality. Probably spend four weeks doing that. The Sunday after that is actually, we're going to do another family service, and I'm not going to do it during the family service. Um, <laughs> For obvious reasons, uh, but we'll, so I'll skip that week and then we'll be back on. So just I just want to plug that we're going to be talking about that soon. I think it's it's a very healthy thing and good for us to talk about. Amen. Amen. Okay, but um, this week, last week, I did a message called "Strongholds of Peace," and we talked about practical ways to make your homes a place for God's presence. By the way, if you want to turn to a couple of scriptures, Acts 16 and Psalms chapter 8 are where we're going to end up here in a few minutes. Um, this, this week, I want to do like a step two, and I want to talk about how to have a lifestyle of praise and worship. The title of my message this week is called Strongholds of Praise. Last week was Strongholds of Peace. This week, Strongholds of Praise. We want our homes to be strongholds, strong places of peace. And we ourselves want to be strongholds of praise. Okay, so what does this look like? What are the supernatural benefits for the believer? Listen, when you have a lifestyle of praise, praising God, 
we praise him through every season, the good, the bad, and the ugly. How many have ever gone through an ugly season? I've gone through some ugly before. I think for, for me personally, like some of the most two contrasting seasons in my life was 2018 versus 2019. 2018 was like this. We were on a tear that year. It was like everything was going good that year. We, we started a church. It didn't fail. Yay. Um, and like I hiked Capitol Peak, which I, I like to hike 14ers. Capitol Peak is like Colorado's hardest 14er. I did that. I ran two ultra marathons that year, which was like a huge goal in my life. Um, I went skydiving for the first time and last. No. Um, I didn't really have it in my heart to go skydiving, but it was fun to do because someone paid for it. So, um, but anyway, I just, it was a banner. You're like, there was just so many cool things happening that year. 2019 was like upside down. Like the first month of January, my wife had a, had a major surgery. Uh, about 12 weeks after that, we got rear-ended. My wife broke her neck. Um, like, you know, our, our youth pastor was in the car. He was having major issues. I started having migraines. Um, and then while she was in the hospital and they did a scan on her body, they're like, hey, um, we're not going to worry about this right now, but when you get that neck brace off, we have to do a biopsy on your thyroid because there's something on there. There's like a nodule on there. We need to biopsy. Twelve weeks go by. She gets, gets the neck brace off. They do a biopsy. They're like, hey, it's come back cancerous. We're like, man, what else can go wrong this year? So she, then she has, after that, has surgery and has half, my wife, half of her thyroid removed. Okay, that was a lot happening that year. That was like, I didn't run any big races. I didn't really, I think we hiked a couple mountains, but nothing exciting happened. Listen, but you want to praise God in the 2018 seasons, and you want to praise God in the 2019 seasons, and it's important that we praise God through the good, the great, the bad, the ugly. We want to praise God in every season of our lives. But listen, when life hands you opposition, um, there is an opportunity for, you, for us to praise God. How many know the Bible talks about a sacrifice of praise? How many know that when everything's going well, it's not really a sacrifice. It's just pretty easy. It's like, God, I just praise you. Oh, you're so good, right? But when you're going through it, to praise God, it's like, I'm bringing a sacrifice this morning because this isn't hard, but I'm going to sing anyway when I don't feel like it. I'm going to lift my hands when I don't feel like it. That's a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13 through 15 says this. I'm sorry, chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. Uh, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually, everyone say continually. That's in the good, the bad, the ugly. Offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. So praising God, openly professing the name of Jesus, uh, giving him glory. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Notice that the Bible puts praising God, worshiping God, on the same sacrificial level as doing good and sharing with others. How many know that sometimes it is a sacrifice to praise? And um, with such sacrifices, the Lord is pleased. And he says, let us continue to offer praises to God. Okay? It's a sacrifice to offer praise to God when things aren't going perfectly. But there's something special as well about those seasons when things aren't going well and we offer sacrifice to God. How many know we don't praise God for the storm or for the trial, but we praise the one who will get us through the storm and through the trial? Amen? All right, turn with me to 
Uh, Psalm 8, verse 2, well, 1 and 2, actually, is what we're going to look at. It says this, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the adventure, avenger. Okay, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold. Um, through the praise of children and infants, seemingly, seemingly, they're not, they're not this way, seemingly weak and seemingly insignificant individuals, God establishes a stronghold against his enemies. And how many know that his enemies are your enemies? And your enemies are his enemies. Most of the time, I think. Anyway, for sure, his enemies are your enemies. <laughs> I don't know that all of our enemies are God's enemies, so <laughs> think about that one. <sighs> but through the, through the praise of children and infants, which, by the way, goes to, lends itself to the fact that kids praising God is very important, and infants, obviously. But how many know that we are children of God as well? But he sets a stronghold against his enemies. Now, what is a stronghold? Again, we, we talked about this last week. Go ahead and put up the first picture of a stronghold. Um, this is a this is a castle. How many know if you were defending this position, you could you could um, defend this position from with much fewer um, soldiers than you could than you would need to to over overtake it. Right? It's an easily defendable position because it's a it's a strategic position. Uh, go to the next one. We put this up last week. This is Mount Masada in Israel. This is a very um, uh, historically important location for the for the Jewish people. Um, again, there was, there was, I think, 800 men that defended this position from like 15,000 Roman soldiers for a number of months. It's a stronghold. It's a place that's easily defendable. Listen, when we praise God, we develop a stronghold in our lives that it becomes difficult for the enemy of your soul to penetrate. Okay, where is this stronghold? This stronghold is in your head. This stronghold is in your heart. This stronghold is in your home. And that's what it looks like when we begin to praise God. It becomes difficult for the enemy of your soul to penetrate that stronghold. Through the lips of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. Come on, that's a good verse right there. How many want your mind, your heart, your home to be a stronghold for the Lord? I do. Amen. So, as we praise the Lord, it brings about personal strength in our lives. Uh, learning to praise in the storm is hard to do, but living a lifestyle of praise should become a knee-jerk reaction for us. It should become a knee-jerk reaction, okay? And this business for the believer is serious business. Okay, so I want to talk about... Um, how we, how we do this. Okay, let's look again at um, Matthew 21, not again for the first time, Matthew 21, 14 and 16. Okay, this is the portion of scripture where Jesus is actually quoting. So Jesus quoted Matt, uh, Psalm 8 to, <clears throat> the story says this, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. So they're giving him praise. They were indignant. They were angry. Do you hear these, uh, what these children are say, uh, saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth, uh, called forth your praise. 
What I want you to notice, so this is the same verse Jesus is referencing, that when we praise God, he sets up a stronghold against his enemies. But what I want you to notice is that Jesus says, um, for uh, the Lord has called forth your praise. He's called forth praise from us. In other words, there's a sound of praise. I want to encourage you. There's a sound of praise for every season of the soul that you're going through to be offered to heaven. The good seasons, the bad seasons, the hard seasons. Um, there is a sound of praise from this generation that God is calling forth from the earth. And there's a sound of praise that he's calling forth from you individually. And I, every season of the soul, we're all in a season, right? Every, and every season of the soul has a purpose. <clears throat> and he's calling forth praise from you in every season. Um, I heard this <clears throat> story recently. Um, how many know uh, Bethel Church and Pastor Bill Johnson? Um, he talks about this, but um, his, his wife, uh, Benny Johnson, passed away this last year. She died of cancer. It was a terrible thing. And this is a church where like revival is happening. They see tons of miracles, tons of things being poured out. And the matriarch of like the movement, you know, um, dies. It's devastating. And Bill talks about those seasons. There's something, there's a sacrifice of praise in those seasons that you could offer to God that you otherwise wouldn't be able to offer in any other season. In other words, there's a moment of time where you're in this grieving place that there's a special sacrifice of praise that you can offer to God. Listen, and, and that doesn't mean you can answer the questions. Why? Why did this happen? Why didn't she get healed? Why, why did it go this way? Sometimes there are no good answers to those questions. Regardless, Father God in heaven is worthy of our praise and you can praise him through those seasons and he will he will um, cause us to be fortified in our faith fortified in our homes fortified in our minds i'm not saying this is easy but i'm saying that there's a special sacrifice of praise in every season but god calls forth praise from us in every season how many know it takes god to know god did you know this it takes god to know god it takes a revelation of god to know god in fact uh we thank god um, for, for who he is. Um, we praise him for what he does, but we worship him in the beauty of his holiness. And holiness is actually the, the, the revelation of God's holiness. It's, it's a revelation. Like actually true worship is a revelation. You can't just decide I'm going to worship God. You actually have to be ushered into worship through a revelation of who Christ is. And that's why we, the Bible says we enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts we, hearts. we enter his courts with praise. And what are we doing? We're being ushered into the Holy of Holies. And true worship is a revelation of God. But it takes God to know God. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You can't even acknowledge and know Jesus is Lord except the, the Holy Spirit move and grace your heart with that. It says in Romans eight fifteen, the uh, the spirit we we receive does not make us slaves again to fear, but brought about our adoption. And by Him, by the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. So it's the Holy Spirit within us that causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. It takes God to know God. It's the same with praise and worship. God calls forth from a generation. God calls forth praise from an individual. And as we yield to the Holy Spirit, we partner with the Holy Spirit to bring forth praise in every season. We have, to, we have to partner with the Holy Spirit corporately 
And that's one of the, the jobs of, of, of a pastor, of a worship leader, is how are we partnering with the Holy Spirit corporately to bring praise to God in the season that he's calling? And I want to just encourage you individually, every season of your soul, there, there, is, there is praise that he's calling forth from our lives. Okay. <clears throat> we do this until he establishes a stronghold against his and our enemies. <clears throat> now, let me put a little more meat on the bone for you this morning. When Jesus says, Matthew 21, 16, from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. The word praise there uh, also means a story. It means a story. So here's the deal. When you're going through a tough season, a difficult a trial, uh, how many know that any story that you're telling, there are two narratives you can tell. There are two stories you can tell. And praise puts you on the trajectory to tell God's story. Okay, there are two narratives. You know, like lately, we've, um, by the way, thank you for praying for um, this potential building that we're looking at buying. But uh, one of the things we had to do when we met with the city was put together a narrative. Like, how do you plan on using this building? And we're like, how detailed do you want it to be? Like, okay, here's the narrative. People are going to pass from life to death. They're going to get saved, healed, delivered, set free, discipled, equipped, empowered to walk in the fullness of their destiny. You know what I'm saying? Is that the narrative you're looking for? Or are you looking for like egress and parking and, and traffic flow? So, okay. So in every season you're going through, how many know there are two narratives you can tell? There are two narratives. One is to complain about the trial, the thing you're going through. The other is to declare the goodness of God in every season. He is good. You know, in the Old Testament, when they built the temple, they did all this work for the house of God. And it was very detailed. The plans were very structured, very detailed. Everything was very orderly, right? So that, the, so that it could be a place where God's presence came. And then they dedicated the temple and the, the glory of God flooded that place. And what was the revelation that they had on their hearts? He is good. He is good. Like they talked about, the revelation that struck their hearts is the goodness of God. Pastor Adam did a, a message a couple weeks ago on the goodness of God. Here's the deal. You can never over-exaggerate the story of God's goodness. In fact, you are... You are not capable of outpraising God's worth. You are not capable of outpraising how good he is and how worthy he is. So don't worry about it. Just praise him as much as you can. <clears throat> so there are two stories in every situation that you can tell. You can tell the God story or you can tell the demonic story. Uh, another thing Bill Johnson says is complaining is demonic food. Just bickering, complaining, gossip, slander, all that garbage. That's demonic food. You want to invite the demonic in your life? Go gossip and slander and complain and bicker. You want to invite the presence of God in your life? Give him praise, honor, glory. Amen. How many know when Joshua and the 12 spies went into the promised land to spy it out, they came back and there was two narratives. There was two stories. There was the story that Joshua and Caleb's told, which is like, hey, we can do this. God's got this. And then the others were like, there's giants in the land. There's, I don't know if we can do it. 
And you have Joshua and Caleb are like, yeah, we can do this. I, I just imagine the, the 10 spies going like, well, based upon what? Like, we're, we're small and they're big. And I just imagine Joshua and Caleb being like, um, he just brought us out of Egypt. Like, remember the 10 plagues? Like, systematically destroyed the kingdom of Pharaoh? Remember the Red Sea that we walked through on dry land? I, I think he can give us this land. If he, wants, if he wills it to give us this land, I think we can do it. So Joshua was looking at the God story. He was looking at God's perspective. The others were looking at the demonic perspective. There are two narratives in every story. They came out of Egypt. They were poor for 400 years. They came out of Egypt rich, right? So which story do you want to tell? The story of praise or the story of complaining? Come on. Come on. Now listen, um, I should say that if you've been... A complainer for years and you don't praise God through every season. I'm not saying the thing you went through wasn't hard, devastating. I'm not saying you don't need inner healing ministry, counseling. I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle anything that any of you have gone through. I know that there's people in here who've gone through some stuff, like some really hard stuff. And the fact that you're even here is like, wow, a miracle. Okay, I'm not belittling what you've gone through. I'm just saying he is worthy of praise when we don't understand when we don't know the answer, when it's not working out, he's worthy of praise, and that sets us in a fortified position. But how many know when you've been in a rut for years and your go-to is always the same, it takes effort to change. You could ask my younger daughter this, but the the worst hike we've ever ever took her on was a hike where um, we were looking at the map, and it was um, Mount Gibbs, which is, it was like a, thir- it's a 13er down in the uh, San Gerda Cristos. And I'm looking at the map and it was like, you know, the trail goes like way over here and da, da, da. And then it ends up on the top. I'm like, or we could just go up the mountain. <laughs> like, let's just, let's just go. There's no trail, but let's just plow through here. It was like hours of bushwhacking. It was horrendous. <laughs> it was like, this is, like, I started almost panicking. Like, I feel like claustrophobic. Like, I got to get out of here. Like, it was, it was a nightmare. Why? There was no trail. How many know that when... You don't appreciate how a trail until you've not hiked on a trail. Okay? Um, forging new um, pathways in your mind is like bushwhacking. That's why we don't do it. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to set a new habit, to set a new pattern, to, to start eating differently, to exercise, to get up earlier, to, it's very difficult because it's easy to get on that four-lane highway and go to Denver and back, right? That's easy. It's, a, it's much harder to go whack your way through, chop your way through a new territory. But listen, when we've been in a mindset for so many years, you're going to have to just keep telling yourself, I'm going to praise God, I'm going to praise God, I'm going to praise God. I know that I don't normally complain. I know I normally feel sorry for myself. I know I normally do this or that. But listen, I'm going to praise God through the situation. And once you begin to do that for weeks, months, years, you begin to set new neural pathways in your mind. And these neural pathways have a default, which is like, I'm just going to praise God. I'm going to praise him in the good. I'm going to praise him in the bad. I'm going to praise him when it's, when it's ugly. Okay? But when we do that, we put ourselves in a fortified position with the Lord. Okay, I've used this illustration before, but praise is like a guide dog. The guide dog, for people who are blind, 
lead you to good places when you can't see the road ahead. Go ahead and put up the picture. This is a guide dog, okay? This person doesn't know where they're going, or maybe they do. They just can't see where they're going. But how many know the guide dog leads you to good places? The guide dog doesn't lead you off a cliff. At least they're not supposed to, <laughs> right? If it's a good guide dog, it won't lead you off a cliff or into a manhole, right? And this is like praise in our lives. We don't know where we're going. God, I don't understand. I don't have answers, but praise is leading me. And praise is going to lead me to some good places. Amen? <clears throat> That's a good word right there. What does it look like to not be led by praise, but, but, but to be led by our emotions, the daily news cycle, the tyranny of the urgent? It's like a cat. <laughs> Like a guide cat. All right. Do you want to be led by your emotions? Which can be good and can be high, can be low. Or do you want to be led by your loyal, trustworthy friend, praise? Praise will lead you into some good places. Amen? That's why you need praise. All right. To conclude, I'll conclude with this. It's, this is going to be a long conclusion, just for the record. Uh, if you're at, uh, find Acts 16, I want to talk about when Paul and Silas were at Philippi, which is modern Greece. In fact, um, I have a picture. I have a few pictures I want to show you. Just to, so go put the, the map picture, first of all. So this is where Paul and Silas were. This is on Paul's second missionary journey. So from 44 to 48 AD, Paul's second missionary journey. And uh, I'll show you a picture of modern uh, Philippi. So that's what it looks like today. So it's ruins. Um, but here it is, Acts 16, uh, 16 through 40. <clears throat> Once uh, when we were going to the place of prayer, we met a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling she followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. I find it interesting, by the way, that this demonic evil spirit was actually telling the truth. So, just FYI, sometimes they do. But ultimately, we'll deceive you. Verse 18, she kept us up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. Can you imagine delivering someone because you're just annoyed at them? I just, I just want to do that sometimes. I'm so sick of someone like, come out of him in the name of Jesus. <laughs> okay. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At, one, at that moment, the spirit left her. When, the, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept and practice. I have two more, two more pictures. I'll show the, the theater uh, real quickly. That's modern uh, Philippi. And go to the next one. Um, this is what it looked like uh, in ancient times, ancient Philippi. It says this, verse 22 the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these, uh, when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. 
I'll show you one more picture. This is, um, this is where Paul and Silas were imprisoned. This is Philippi. Okay, this is a famous geographic location for what happened next. Here's the situation. They're trying to serve God, right? They're preaching the gospel. They're doing good. Paul casts a demon out of, out of, a, out of a, young, a girl who's fortune-telling. Like, they're doing the work of the Lord, right? What is their reward for this? They were rejected by the people there. And by the way, they're obeying Jesus. Jesus said, go in all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. They're obeying Jesus. The reward is this. They got rejected by the people. They got stripped, beaten with rods. After they had been severely beaten, they were thrown in prison. And then they're in this inner cell with their feet in the stocks. How many know that they had plenty of reason to let go of their praise and just be mad at God? But let me ask you a question. Was that the narrative they wanted to tell? Was that the story they wanted to tell? Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. That's a miracle right there, right? They were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other, listen to this, the other prisoners were listening to them. I just want to encourage you. Sometimes your praise isn't just for you. It's for the people around you who can hear you. Remember the other prisoners, maybe you're in a prison, maybe you're in a tough spot, but remember the other prisoners are listening too. The atmosphere shifted. Verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone, say everyone's, everyone's chains became loose. All the prison doors flew open, everyone's chains were loosed. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. He would have been killed anyway because that's what, that was the punishment for a jailer who, like, failed. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Verse 29, the jailer uh, called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? His heart is open. Verse 31, they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. That's a word for someone right there. Come on. Verse 32, Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Come on, that's awesome. Praise shifted that entire situation. About midnight, they were singing hymns, praising God. Paul and Silas were delivered. The other prisoners were delivered, and other people got saved. Why? Because they praised God through the trial. They were holding on to praise that trustworthy friend where they couldn't see where they were going, but praise led them to great places. Paul and Silas took their stronghold of praise into the jail with them. I just want to encourage you this morning, church, praise God through the good, the bad, the ugly. I know how hard it is when you're going through the ugly. Praise God through every situation. And remember, someone else might be watching you too. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray and then we'll have Pastor Adam close us up, it looks like.
So Lord, we love you. God, we thank you that praise is serious business for the believer, Lord. And God, this morning, I just, I just um, pray for an atmosphere shift in our hearts, Lord, in our conscience, Lord God, that we would no longer be negative go-to, poor me, Lord God, but we would remember praise, Lord. I know, God, that there are situations in this room that are, have been hard, are hard, unfortunately will be hard in the future, Lord God, but I think you're worthy of our praise, you're worthy of our honor, you're worthy of our glory, past, present, future, Lord God. We thank you, you're good, Lord, and we thank you that heaven belongs to us, Lord God, and we thank you that hope belongs to us, Lord God, a hopeful expectation of our future, Lord. God, we commit this morning to you. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. All right, God bless you guys.